certain times of year, you know, we know seasonal affective disorder is a thing. Um, am I feeling low? The past couple of weeks, I actually had a hard time. Um, some friends were carrying something because some really deep things. It wasn't my own personal things. Um, but uh, I learned that I do take those things on and that's the kind of friend I want to be. But it was also it was last Friday and I was like, this is not normally me. I'm not the best cleaner in the house. But I'm like, I think I need to steam up the floors. Like, I think I need to do. I think I need to do. And I need, sometimes we need to get into tact, you know, um, right. when our feelings are kind of strong and, and they're kind of pulling us down. Um, so reaching out, saying communi- communication with people that we know love us, um, being self-aware, not being afraid. Don't be afraid of what you might be sitting on. Hey, Mom Nation. Welcome to our From the Heart podcast, where we share inspirational stories, useful information, and we discuss a wide variety of women-related topics. While you're listening to this episode on your favorite podcast platform, please subscribe to our channel and rate us so that we can get this information out to the moms that need to hear it. If you'd like to join the conversation, we are at Mom Nation USA. That's our handle on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of From the Heart podcast. This is my absolute favorite podcast, Abigail. We have a couple of shows here at Mom Nation that we do, and we talk about a few different topics. But this one is so close to my heart because it's really about inspirational stories, women that have rose from the ashes, women that have overcome, that have gotten through some junk, right? Like we all have this junk to get through in our life. Mm-hmm. And this podcast really showcases and spotlights our mama members in Mom Nation that have done just that. Um, and you have a very, very special story to share with us, don't you? Thank you. Yeah, I think I do. Awesome. Well, well, tell us who you are and tell us where your story begins. Yeah, well, my name is Abigail and I, who I um, have three kids who are now 15, 13, and 10. We live in the Chicago area and work at resettling refugees. Um, But about 11 years ago, we moved overseas to Hungary, to Budapest in Eastern Europe. Oh, wow. And we were living there. Yeah, we were living there in a Christian ministry. Um, And I had my third child there. I went over pregnant, um, about 14, 16 weeks pregnant and, and had, um, our third child there. And that must've been difficult. Yes, it was. It was very difficult besides missing family. I'm also an identical twin, which is a whole nother layer of closeness. If you know anything about twins, my mother's an identical twin. Okay. I don't know how close they were. Yes, we're extremely close, but we've lived thousands of miles apart for a long time. We're actually closer because we're only 11 hours now by car. So that's closer for us. It is. It's a totally different relationship. I always joke that my mom loves her twin more than me. It's probably true. I mean, I don't take offense. They just have this common bond. They just have this bond. It's just, it's incredible. It is. It's a sweet thing. So 
I had a lot of missing going on as I was living overseas. I'm learning a new language. Um, it's in a post-communist uh, country, which is still getting on its feet, you know, um, but there are a lot of um, like reticent things, uh, things that um, are residual things that happened under communism that the people really struggled with. So the environment could seem cold. I mean, I love the people, I love the place, but there were hard things that made me feel really isolated as I was forming new relationships in a new language in a new country. Um, and what happened was after I had my son, I remember a time when it was like two weeks that I hadn't left the house. It was winter, he was born in November. And just the isolation of things just was really hard. It's hard as a new mom, wherever you are. I mean, yeah. even though I was a mom three times over, it was like I was a new mom doing everything in another country. I had to learn how to drive, drive manual, which I hadn't really done in my life. And so many things were coming against me. And um, well, and that could be scary, happened? too. Like, I yeah. can't imagine delivering in another country in a hospital where they probably do things very different than what you were used to from the first two. And now it's a totally different language. How, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. My doctor thankfully spoke English, but there was a midwife. Um, that's how they deliver there. And so he was in the room, but she delivered and yeah, I don't remember how much English she spoke, but it wasn't very much. And so I was used to the monitor. Thankfully, he came out real easy, <laughs> but it was definitely a, an experience. And um, they kept us in the hospital for a week after, and it was really warm. And we opened the window and they think that they're gonna catch their death, you know, if you open windows or use fans there. So that was interesting. But yeah, in my story, um, that was a really hard period for me after I had him. That was within, that was like six months after we moved there. Um, and as that progressed, it was definitely a depression, whether it was postpartum or just was there anyway and just intensified. I can't especially, you know, pinpoint. Um, and then um, I got back on my feet again, um, somewhat. I'm still struggling to adjust because now the little baby's outside of me and I have to make sure he stays safe, you know, in new, right. new settings and just meeting other moms, um, you know, was just really hard, you know, me meeting other moms that, um, that I could talk with and we could share life, you know, just having some kind of a mom experience with him. And did any um, of them speak English or were you speaking your now new language and trying to make friends at the same time? Cause let's face it, making mom friends is hard anyway. Yeah, it was, it was a mix. There were some that, um, that did speak English. So we did what we could. There were others that, um, I would speak in Hungarian, which is what they speak there. Um, but yeah, it, it was a pretty, pretty much a mix. And it was always, you know, that cross-cultural move to, initiate a relationship you're still the one that's doing it they're not very initiative themselves um to people from different countries they don't really have a lot of people from different countries in the capital city they do more but and no one speaks hungarian outside of hungary or not many people do there's some places that 
are ancestrally Hungarian that do in surrounding countries, but it's just not an international language. So yeah. Um, yeah. So then things were okay. What was that? 2012 when he was born, 13, 14, we came home for a furlough, um, from our ministry. So that's a couple months, you know, respite. Um, that's how that works. And I didn't know until, a year later that my twin sister and another one of my sisters didn't want me to go back. They didn't feel like I was in a good place. Um, and they, I don't know why they didn't share that with me. Maybe they thought that would make me in a worse place, you know, make me doubt myself. Um, but what happened a year after a little less than a year after I came back in February, of um, 2015, so just about three years after we got there, was that I ended up having um, a manic episode, um, the high side of what I would later be diagnosed with bipolar disorder, which is in my family history. Um, and it was, it was, it was, it was very, very, very difficult. Um, I ended up in a Hungarian hospital and that included three days in the ICU um, where I responded to uh, medicine that they gave me. That's what they think happened. We don't know how close I came to death. We really don't, but it was just an extraordinarily hard time. And we had to leave our home abruptly after that because there just were not the resources there. for me to get well. And so this had been a dream of ours to live in that country. We intended to be there for 10 years to raise our kids at least a good bit of the time there. And so it was heartbreaking and it was just, um, I couldn't be a mom for a while. You know, I was really weak. Um, And so we returned to the States in March of 2015 and I began the stabilizing process um, in my mental illness journey. And I would say that I was given a lot of gifts of people who helped me along in that process, um, especially my amazing husband. I am so blessed, so thankful for such support. Um, we were able to uh, get a medical leave um, because we had small kids. He was able to join me in that so he could take care of our kids because I couldn't. I couldn't even do that for a little while after um, the hospital. I was just too weak um, mentally, in every way, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's Um, all connected. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was just in a really rough place. And um, yeah, so the story since that's now eight years ago, I can't believe it. in some ways it's gone quickly. In other ways, it's been a hard fought, you know, moment to moment healing process where I've had to really reclaim my mind, reclaim where my thoughts go, um, build um, healthy relationships. There were some unhealthy ones at that time, which contributed to what happened to me um, and the isolation that I felt. Um, so come into healthy community and really just go through a healing process, also a medical intervention. I was blessed with some really great medical help. So all of that is important in the healing process. And I was even able to write my story in a book. Um, yeah, called A Million Skies. Um, and yeah, it's really about what I just shared and what it's looked like for me to heal. So um, 
that is a miracle in and of itself that I, you know, could find the strength to be that vulnerable about something that has a lot of stigma, a lot of shame, a lot of feeling of less than in many circles and many different opinions on how we should interact with um, mental illness. But yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations. And uh, when did your book come out? It came out a year ago, March wow. 2022. Yeah. Wow, congrats. So that's something that our audience can look into, perhaps, you know, get a copy for themselves. Yes, yes. It's, um, I believe you're going to link my website, which has a direct link to it. Um, yes, a button right on the front page that um, says A Million Skies Book. And there's also, um, that'll take you to my Amazon link, which is, um, the easiest place to get it and to get it quickly. Um, but it's also available other places. And I also have a couple free resources on there um, for people dealing with mental illness on my website. So, and a lot of things I've written over the years. So yeah. There's oh, a lot that's, there. that's excellent. You know, a lot of times I feel like just, you know, in talking with other moms in my own experiences throughout life, you know, with people that I know and whatnot, um, how do you know when you're in a mental illness crisis or situation? Um, you know, how did you come to terms with that? How did you realize that? Because I feel like sometimes we can be in that space where we don't really know what's going on with us. And, you know, we're maybe placing a lot of blame on others and it's more outside versus inside. How did you flip that switch or did you have that struggle at all? I absolutely had that struggle. Um, as I was sharing about when my son was born, um, there was a lot of depression going on that could have been recognized earlier. I felt stuck though. I knew I was in a hard place adjusting to another country. I wanted to give myself grace and space to work through that. Um, but there were definitely, and I was taking an antidepressant at that time. I was aware of kind of the low side of how I could run. Um, but something like bipolar, in, in my opinion, pre-diagnosis, pre-healing, um, felt like I wouldn't be able to still have the life that I wanted to have. And so I feel like that is a lot of times the barrier, what is projected on mental health diagnosis. We don't want to take on that label that lets them bear the stigma and people shouldn't have to, you know, and that's a big reason why I wrote my book to bring awareness and to help people realize that we can have full lives even on the other side of diagnosis but that was a big barrier for me to really realizing things and you know I am a person of faith and I believe I was really um I could have died you know literally and I that's also another reason why I wrote my book because I want people to be able to feel like it's going to be okay you can face what's going on you can find healing and please you know seek that path before you end up in the hospital. And that's what any clinical person will tell you, you know, they wish that they would have been there. My therapist said, I, oh, I wish I would have been there. She'd actually had been in Budapest or was there after, I can't remember, but um, she, she, she wished that she could have prevented me from going to the hospital because, you know, it is a devastating thing. But 
also, I'm saying all the reasons why I wrote my book, I also wanted to show people that if they had gotten to that point, which many people do, they're hospitalized for a time, that even then, you know, there is, there is healing, there is life, there is a new day, there is overcoming that can happen. And so I think a lot of it is how society, you know, um, people, you know, along all walks of life, all faiths, all things, how do they, how do they view, you know, mental illness? Is Mm -hmm. it a part of the mental health journey everyone has to go on and it looks different for different people. I believe it should look more like that. Or do people uh, treat it as, you know, marginalized group of people? And I know post-COVID and the mid-COVID, I mean, it's been a pressure cooker for, you know, young kids, youth, uh, teenagers up through adults, you know, who were already struggling, you know, that many people, there's really a crisis going on. And it's really important that this, the stigma and the shame and the lesson is really gone so we can deal with what's before us and believe that there's healing. I totally agree. Do you feel like, and of, of course, everybody's at, you know, different places, different levels of, you know, severity, um, but do you feel like as a whole, you're as a person, you're able to kind of pull yourself out of these things, or do you feel like it really takes the support of another, whether that be something faith-based or whether that be, you know, um, a hospital setting or clinical setting? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I believe that it takes a combination. Um, in my situation, um, psychiatric help, medical intervention, you know, being on medicine, um, it will be a part of my life for the foreseeable future. Um, and that is okay. You know, it's just like, if you have high blood pressure, you need to take your high blood pressure medicine. You're not going to not take that, you know, there's still stigma in certain places with medicine. And so that does depend on the person, you know, but in many cases, at least to stabilize for a time that is necessary. And that, that can be kind of a deep pride issue for people, you know, to get, to get help period, um, or a deep, you know, just a deep sense of having a hard time asking for help. So yeah, yeah. and definitely family support. And a lot of people that I interact with, or that I, you know, as I've shared my story, I hear a lot of stories and people, families, just they're, pulling their hair out. They want to love people who they know are in a hard place, you know, and people are like waiting on the wings to help to be there for you. I mean, for me, my family, um, I had to rebuild healthy relationships. Like I said, we left a lot behind and there were some ones that I realized weren't healthy after, um, to have really healing community, really healing relationships. Those were, um, a part of, a part of the journey for sure. Um, but I also say to people, and it's a hard place when I'm talking to someone who has a loved one who they know is struggling and isn't seeking help, you know, um, you pray, you hope that they're not going to get to a point where their life is going to be in danger, but there's things that nobody can do for you. You have to decide 
I want to be well. I want to live. I want to live for the people in my life. And I want to live because I believe I'm meant to live. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm breathing. And I'm meant to live. And that's a place that, again, no one can bring you to. And in the healing process, it is absolutely essential that you learn. I like to talk about fighting for the light. You learn to fight for the light that there is hope that you're meant, that you're meant to live, you know, that life is worth living and you got to learn to do that. You really do. I don't know a story where anyone has come to healing that hasn't also come to that place. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, that old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, Yeah. right? So we all say it, we've said it our entire lives and it makes sense because really and truly it does take a village to raise a child. But why does that stop when we become adults? Shouldn't it always take a village? Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, like, yeah. don't, don't we always need the support of others just because we turn 18 and it doesn't really change, does it? Right. No, it does not. You know, we can't do it alone. Each of the chapters in my book um, is like from something hard to something um to something good. And the one chapter is from isolation to intimacy. And it talks a lot about what it is to learn to trust others. I talk a lot about vulnerability as well. Um, That's we, huge. Yeah, because, you know, you live in this duplicity when you start to not share, you know, we're just in, you know, Lord, God love our culture, but we, are fine. How are you? You know, how are you? Fine. Good. You know, we're, we can do that a lot and we need the people that we're going to say, you know, I'm having a hard day. Maybe I've had a hard few days. I'm not really sure what's going on, you know, and it takes, I always say for people, no matter where you are in your mental health or otherwise, as we lead with vulnerability, we draw others into that. We make safe places for others and that is absolutely essential because once you start, you know, putting up those walls, even very subconsciously, you know, people really start to not have that honesty about themselves and how they're really doing. And so as we connect with others in vulnerability, as we move into good, safe, trusting relationships, you know, we really do find a lot of the healing and wholeness, um, that we need to become ourselves again and even become someone, someone new, someone, someone stronger, you know? I, I love that. What is your best suggestion for somebody that might be dealing with something that's just overwhelmingly difficult, um, especially if they're a mom, to get to that space of vulnerability? Because that's, like, you got to work on that, I feel like, you know, um, depending on how you were raised and what kind of atmosphere that was, that can be really hard next to impossible for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say um, that it's really important to test the waters, you know, with people, a part of my journey, like I said, unhealthy relationships, like I was really, I was really hurt by someone I trusted. And so I get it when it's hard to trust again, but test the waters, be in places, you know, get to a mom nation group, be in places where moms are looking for that 
kind of community, especially to moms, I would say that. Um, I would say go to a you know, place of faith, go to a place where you know people want community, but test the waters. As someone seems like they're safe, you know, try, try to, to share a little bit. Sometimes we learn that they're not, and that's okay to not go there with that person. But a lot of times we find out that they are, that they are safe. And there's a lot of people who struggle to listen, but there's a lot of people who do listen, who are going to sit with you in your, in your pain. They're going to, they're going to be able to hold that space, um, at least in part for you. And, um, it is out there. Don't give up. Don't believe that it's not, not out there. Um, yeah, go to the places, the people that you know, love you no matter what, even if you're not used to talking about things as deeply, give it, you know, give them the, trust them, give them the opportunity to be there for you. Cause I guarantee the stories I hear, people do want to be there for you. People who've loved you, they, they want to know, they want to be there. I agree. If you let them, the right people will show up. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Totally. So shoe on the other foot, what if you know of somebody that may be struggling, do you have any suggestions, uh, especially if it's a mom, um, of how to help them, how to guide them, how to, how to get them to that area of vulnerability of being able to ask for help and accept help because asking is one thing, accepting is another. Yeah. When, you know, when you share your story, like everybody is on a mental health journey, let's just normalize it. You know, everybody needs help at one time or another, but instead of looking to them and saying, I mean, I know you're not suggesting this, but like you need help or I think you might need help even more gently um, lead with yourself. Like I know that I hit that really rough patch and this was really important for me. Have you ever felt that way? You know, and obviously if there's professionals, if there's people that we have as resources, that's only going to help because as the person is willing to take a step, if we have someone that we can connect them with, um, I actually started a, a program. I'm working through it slowly to do mental health coaching. It's particularly targeted for churches, but the program um, scholarships um, people to do that because it is hard a lot of times to connect actually with a professional. They said it takes on average 11 years from when someone would first experience symptoms of perhaps a a mental illness till they actually connect with someone who can really help them. And so I know professional in that way. So the more professional people we know, but also it does take a village. It takes all of us caring to be able to, to walk with and, and bridge that gap to decrease that time and to do the things to be informed about, asking, asking good questions, safe questions for good questions, you know, like, have you ever felt like that? Leading with your own vulnerability um, about your story, about how important it's been for you to reach out. Um, And don't give up on anyone, you know, don't give up on them. Um, 
as a person of faith, you know, God will put somebody in my mind and I will reach out to them. And I really believe that that happens and it's meant so much to them. So if someone comes to mind, you know, no matter where you are, faith wise, you know, um, I think people come to mind, take the time to reach out, take the time to, to say, I'm, I'm here for you, you know? Yeah, I totally, totally think that that's a giant. Um, so, so you're still on your journey. What do you do to keep on track? Well, self-awareness is huge. Um, I have had great support uh, medically. I told you about my husband, great support in other ways. So I make sure that I keep all those lifelines open. I have sisters um, who have walked with me in really dark times and vice versa. And if it's been a week or so where I haven't connected with one of them, like I'm like, is something going on that I don't want to share? Reach out. Um, I reach out and, you know, my husband and I do stay in communication. I have had to learn to be able to hear from him when I wasn't doing well. I was like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you see. Like, I didn't actually say that, but I was very, you know, I was very resistant to that. I've learned to welcome that because he knows me and he loves me. And again, it's trust. Um, right. And like, for example, I'm um, certain times of year, you know, we know seasonal affective disorder is a thing. Um, am I feeling low? The past couple of weeks, I actually had a hard time. Um, some friends were carrying something because some really deep things. It wasn't my own personal things. Um, but uh, I learned that I do take those things on and that's the kind of friend I want to be. But it was also it was last Friday and I was like, this is not normally me. I'm not the best cleaner in the house. But I'm like, I think I need to steam mop the floors. Like, I think I need to do. I think I need to do. And I need, sometimes we need to get into tasks, you know, um, right. when our feelings are kind of strong and, and they're kind of pulling us down. Um, so reaching out, saying communi- communication with people that we know love us, um, being self-aware, not being afraid. Don't be afraid of what you might be sitting on, just don't. Because that from the that fear is from the darkness, it's not from the light. And that fear can push you into really, really hard places. And once you are willing to face, you know, we all have stories, we all have pain, there's so much brokenness in this world. So much. And yeah, and so we all have that. And again, there's, there's no shame in, in bringing it to the light because in the light, we are healed, you know, in the light, we can say, okay, I've got the things before me that I need to deal with. And I'm going to do the work because I want to live, you know, I want to live. I want to really live. I don't want to just, I'm living and breathing. I want to live with, but I want to live. I want to live for the people in my life and I want to be strong and I want to have courage and be brave. And life is not just about existence is what I'm hearing you say. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you can feel like you are just existing and that's it. 
And I loved what you said about getting into task when you're kind of feeling in that way. I think that helps me a ton. Like if it's a rough day and such and such is going on, just, just getting outside and taking a walk around my neighborhood. I love my Mm -hmm. neighborhood. It's so pretty. I love my home. I love to be there. And it just kind of takes me out of what was going on and puts me in a totally different place. I'm close with nature. Um, you know, there's a lot of sort of nature-y things around my neighborhood and it just changes things. And it sounds so silly and so easy. And, and it really is. It really is so easy to just get up and walk out the door. Right. Um, but sometimes we can feel like there's a ton of bricks sitting on us. And so it's not that easy. And it may be the only thing that you really accomplished that day, but I, I can attest. It's just so helpful to get into something Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just gets the mind working in a different direction. Right. Yeah. You, um, you made me remember something that I forgot. I just even this morning, I got up at 4.30 AM to run with my friends and it does take commitment, but there's also people that are keeping me accountable and are there. And it's, it is such a lifeline as well in my, in my own healing journey, just to, to get out, connect with people, connect with nature. I love to take walks too. It's not just running, but yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Awesome. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you felt it important to add or to say to our, our mama members out there? Yeah. Um, I think, as a mom, when you go through things like this, you, you can't be fully vulnerable with your kids, but you can talk to them in ways, even when they're young. And my kids, they were pretty little when I went in the hospital and I do talk to them and I say, do you remember that? And sometimes they try not to remember, but I want them to know that it's, that it's okay. You know, mommy is doing much better, but it's okay that mommy had a hard time and that that was hard for you. And when I'm just having, you know, a hard time, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be okay, but it is a hard day. And that's not because I'm bipolar, you know, we all have hard days. Um, and it's important because they have hard days too. So our, mental health journey, you know, begins so young, that awareness begins so young. And as mamas, we can really be the doorway to our kids understanding, you know, it's okay to have hard days. It's okay to feel like, feel down, you know, that, that happens to all of us and I'm here for you. And I don't want you to feel like you have to be okay, you know, or you have to be performing, you know, doing well for me to love you like I love you just because and that's been so beautiful with my kids lives I I do feel like I'm I'm stronger because of my journey because of that because I know how important it is and I've been able to lead them but regardless of mental illness you know whatever else you might struggle with I mean people struggle with chronic illness and they have hard days you know or if hey your health is great and you're doing great you know get in touch with when you're not doing so great and bring people into that, like, especially your kids and, um, yeah. And just let them know how much you love them, no matter what. I think that that is, yeah. It's one That's of the giant. Gifts 
And really, if we wanted to talk about normalizing mental health, we would start with the youth, right? Because they're going to be the future. They're going to be us someday. And if we're open about these struggles when they're younger, it's like talking about the birds and the bees, right? Like they're going to know about that someday. So it's probably a good idea to be open about that when it's appropriate, when they're younger, um, so that they learn from you. And I feel like it's the same thing with mental health. If we're going to normalize this and if we're going to understand that everybody's on a different level and, and going through a different journey and has a different, you know, severity, um, depending, then it's going to start with the kids. That's just yeah. my thought. Yeah. There's so much that you can do. And, you know, there's so much going on now um, about trauma healing and just being in touch with our bodies, you know, and how we react physically to things that have happened. And, you know, the more work that we can do as adults, as parents, as mamas, um, the more we're going to help, you know, our kids are going to be able to walk with them and be that kind, come alongside guide, you know, guide to them um, and teach them too. Um, There's great books out there about, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, like if therapy is hard to do, you know, you can go through those ones for kids, you know, you can go through with kids um, proactively, not just because there's a problem, but yeah, there's, there's so much available these days. Um, Totally agree. You just got to dig in and, you know, like you said, um, reach out to the village because Mm -hmm. really I think the village is where it's at. I feel like if we were more supportive of the village and the village was more supportive of us, it would be a bit of a different place here. So let it start yeah. with us, Abigail. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so if somebody would like to get in touch with you, maybe they have some questions, maybe they want to talk a little bit further with you about their story, uh, you know, share their story, talk more about your story. Are you open to that? Absolutely. I love hearing from people. I love sharing my story. I've done a lot of that, but I don't always get to hear the stories. Um, yeah, I've heard a lot of, and I've heard a lot of really special things related to my book. It really is connecting with people. Um, and I want to, I mean, that means so much to a writer, so much to an author, someone who's so much to anyone who's really put themselves out there that it is making a difference, you know, because I'm human, I'm still human, even though I've come through really hard things. Um, and so I do love I do love hearing stories on that on my website. Um, there's a contact me um, part, which you could do that. If you sign up for my newsletter um, on there as well, you can always reply to my newsletter. I read through everything that I get back. So um, yeah, I love to stay connected and yeah. Awesome. I love that. Uh, you know, here at Mom Nation, we are all about the village. I keep bringing it up, but it's just so important. We're all about community, supporting each other, helping each other and creating that village. So definitely if Abigail's story speaks to you, definitely reach out to her and connect. If you want to catch any of our previous episodes of From the Heart or any of our other shows, hop on over to our YouTube channel. Our handle is at USA. If you are more of the podcast version, maybe you like the ear pods and you, you walk a lot. We just talked about that. Or you run a lot or you hang out in nature or you drive a lot, whatever it is. 
then hop on over to your favorite podcast platform and do a search for Mom Nation Talk Radio. You're going to find our radio channel. So we're a little bit different here. We don't have just one podcast show per channel. We have all of our podcast shows go through one channel. So you can connect there, hit the notification bell, download, whatever it is that is going to notify you of a new episode. Thank you so much, Abigail. It was amazing having you. You are so welcome. Just really glad to be here. Awesome. Bye, everyone.